0: And welcome into another edition of the Go Twenty Four Seven podcast. My name is Billy Embody. With me on this edition, Shay Dixon, and we've got a loaded podcast for you. We are going to break down the end of LSU's basketball season. Take a look ahead at what's next for the program. Already, some some potential news coming out about some changes to the coaching staff. We'll break that down. And then look ahead to the spring game and some official visitors for the weekend. So Shay, thanks for thanks for joining us today. How are things?
1: Things are hanging well. Basketball's over, so you're basketball's over. But I think your busy time is about to begin now, Billy. Unfortunately, as the basketball beat writer.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think there will be some news to be covered uh, over the next month and a half, at least, as as uh, LSU kind of figures out what they're going to do with this Will Wade situation and recruiting and are there changes of staff? I mean, there's just tons to cover uh on that even though uh it's kind of a silly season that'll begin but uh something not silly lsu's uh season ended to michigan's at uh, against michigan state on friday night in washington dc i was there it was a a total uh it was a total dud kind of got close there they made a run but uh lsu just really didn't even ever look uh as locked in as as michigan state was and and uh lost because of it what what do you think uh about friday night's sweet 16 game
1: well i think that probably all the lsu fans at halftime who weren't in the building went to the kitchen or the bar or whatever and made their drinks and by the time they got back in the second half that run you spoke of had probably already evaporated so unless you were really paying attention to those like two to three minutes to start the second half there wasn't really anything for you to enjoy about that game
0: no, not at all. I mean, right from the start, they were down eight, nothing. They looked totally lost defensively. I, I you've, I, got to give Michigan State credit. They, they moved the ball really well. They obviously are, are playing some of their best basketball. They just beat Duke. Uh, that was kind of a nice, uh, not uh, not nice, but it was cool to go back on Sunday and not have any responsibilities and just watch Duke Michigan State from courtside and and take in that that heck of a basketball game, but. Michigan State just moved the ball so well offensively. They rebounded better than LSU, which was kind of, I think, probably the most surprising thing is just how, especially in the first half, they just worked over LSU on the glass.
1: Yeah, I thought well too that the the rebound numbers, I guess, they evened out like at the end of the game, but obviously that wasn't telling at all. It was when the game was you know being contested in the first half and in the beginning of the second, uh, they had no answers. But Bill, you covered this team all year and. A, they didn't play well. Tremont Waters, right, played great. I mean, he had 23 points, so he was perfect from the line. But when you play a Michigan State team, A, they were wide open half the time. You mentioned they moved the ball well. But if you're shooting 50% from the field, you're knocking down well into double-digit threes, and you're over 40% from three, you don't... It's tough to lose. Like, you're the other team needs to be lights out, too, and LSU was so far from that. Like, I, I don't think that anybody... I guess it does It make it easier to lose that way than to, if you were, you know, Maryland and you lose at the buzzer to a Tremont, you know, layup when you had just battled back into it. Um, for the LSU fans out there, I think that they were okay knowing that about
0: 15 minutes into the game, it was probably over with. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is, is that this one was, was so over and, and the kind of, you just kind of almost have to laugh uh, to two of Michigan state's players, uh, Aaron Henry and, um Jalen Jalen Brown they combined averaged eight points coming into the game and they went off for 35 points and uh, so, yeah, so, Gabe, so <laughs> Gabe Brown is Gabe his Brown, name Gabe right Brown, yeah, G- yeah, yeah you know I know that really
1: not- is because I did Billy does all of our basketball stuff and he's traveling to DC and I said look Friday morning when you're going to the stadium I'll have a thing up on all the recruits that are you know what they were as recruits the eight guys on each team LSU goes eight deep Michigan State goes about eight deep because of their injuries, and the Gabe Brown dude was like eight or nine. I was like, well, he's averaging like two minutes a game, and there's another guy who was averaging two minutes a game, and I was like, well, uh, I'll put Brown in there. He was their younger guys, a uh, little bit better recruit. It makes the story a little better. I think he was averaging like a point and a half a game, and he you texted me about what midway through the second half, you're like, he's got fourteen.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was, and after the game, kind of getting to talk with couple of the LSU assistants just outside the locker room they were all even still talking about it just second guessing well should we have completely changed the game plan and and the thing is is that Cassius Winston still went off and Xavier Tillman still went off so some of their big names still went off and so just there was just no answer and when when a couple guys that aren't normally unconscious were unconscious it's just it was just bad news bears and and um yeah, LSU didn't get much of anything else from anyone else, um, outside of Tremont waters, like you said. And so, um, they go down and, and it was, uh, it was a great season though. I mean, for, for how it started, uh, good dating all the way back to, you know, losing Wade Sims and the way this team came together, um, through some of the developing that they had to do as a team, as a unit, you know, that, that tough trip to, to orlando in the tournament and losing to houston and and this and that and it, it just they they turned it on for sec play and they ended up regular season champs i mean that's something that they can always hold on to and they had this taste of the ncaa tournament and as of now they do return a lot of this core shape
1: well right i mean and we'll see you'll be tuned into this as much as anyone and have stuff for the site but i mean you you the common fan would just assume that only three guys have a decision to make, right? It's well, Bigby Williams is graduating; he has no decision, and then you've got Naz, Tremont, and Javante Smart.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's no secret Nas is is I mean he's he's gone. He's you know, I know I would be shocked if he's back. Uh, for you know he'll declare. And uh, the thing about all this is, is we, as we'll track this on on Go Twenty Four Seven, is is that you can um, get an agent now and they they can help you through the process. So that whole, like, okay, they declare for the draft, but didn't hire an agent. That thing doesn't, isn't even a tea leaf for you to read anymore. So all these kids can now hire agents. So Tremont, Nas, they can all declare for the draft, get their feedback and hire an agent. So then you're just kind of waiting to see what they do. But I I don't think it's any secret. I think Nas is gone and um, I, I would, I, it depends, I think, if Will's back as the head coach, which we can kind of get into just a tad here in a second. But um, if if uh, if Tremont is is going to have a chance to to want to come back, I think Will's going to have to be the head coach. And um, you know, it, this whole thing with with LSU and, and Will has to be resolved rather quickly. I mean, with with the signing period coming around the corner too. Well, th- that's the biggest thing, right?
1: Is that people are seeing Lester Kingonez. Uh, Trent and Wadford, some of the guys that you've been reporting all all along that Will Wade and the staff had him in with, uh, now these guys are kind of nearing their decision date, right? They're making kind of campus visits. Wadford was at Bama. Both guys have been kind of thought to be trending towards Penny at Memphis at least a little bit uh, over the past few weeks. But uh, I'll ask you this, since it was sort of the news on the day. We're recording this on a Wednesday morning, uh, and we're getting on right after. I believe it was Jeff Goodman reported uh, that Tony Benford is set to join back up with Buzz Williams. You've obviously mentioned on the board a ton about uh, their ties together. Buzz Williams, news broke this morning that he would be leaving Virginia Tech to go to A&M. Um, I guess your initial reaction, you've been close to the program, close to the staff, but you didn't, I guess it's a message board, right, drama following how the football stuff played out. But you never expected, if it wasn't Wade, it was going to be Tony, that Tony was going to be trying to find a job on someone else's staff.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed like that this is not surprising um, that, that Tony's been linked and it's kind of been it's been reported by Jeff that he's expected to join the staff. And it's it's been, you know, out there on message boards for a while now that if Buzz went to A&M, that would be a natural move for him. Uh, talking with a couple people earlier this week, there there just hadn't been any movement on it. There hadn't been any official discussions. It's more of a, you know, when. Will hired Tony. Buzz went to bat for him big time. Uh, Tony was coming off of uh, being fired from North Texas, and uh, he just Buzz just raved about him. So Will hired Tony, and it, it, that just shows you kind of the relationship that they have. And and Tony has now been in the SEC and entrenched Tranchtown in here for the last couple of years, and um, it'll be a big loss in Texas. And um, Tony also helped land uh, uh, Cortese Cooper and and Marlon Taylor and, and guys like that. So. Uh, there's certainly uh, some recruiting hits as well, but I, I do think they can uh, maybe up upgrade a little bit in terms of uh, on the court coaching and things like that, and just developing players. Uh, Tony works with the bigs along with Wade, so um, that'll kind of be uh, the spot to fill. And uh, he's a good recruiter, though. So you've got to you've got to get somebody on staff if he does go. That uh, you know you can you can rely on on the recruiting trail as well. Shay um, just. For, for us, I mean, tracking this whole Will Wade thing, I mean, just kind of what, what? how do you think this this plays out even?
1: You know, for me, I think I'm like the common fan right now who's kind of reading what you report and seeing what's out there, but wondering most about a timeline, right? And and we just talked about Wadford and Quinones and some guys that they'll want to sign, right? They'll want to sign some guys in this late period. If the initial signing date is April 17th, and it closes on May 15th, and you know you've got this trial that may or may not be something LSU waits out. I don't know, uh, but that's April 22nd, so you're already a week into the signing period. I'm just curious, what? how long do you wait? What are you doing here, knowing that you're about to hit in two weeks a one-month stretch, which is paramount to the future of your basketball program, and kids aren't going to sign not knowing, A, who the coach is, B, are you in trouble? You know, see all these different things. I think it. We're talking about mudding the waters of Will Wade, but we're two weeks away from mudding the waters with recruiting in a big way.
0: Yeah, I, that that's the thing. And and I talked with uh, somebody about this um, last night, is, is you know just chatting about the situation. And um, you've got to the dead period ends on April 11th for uh, basketball recruiting. So then they're they're able to go on the road. They're able to host official visitors. So if they want any of these these kids to come back by, hey, come sit down, talk this through, we'll talk the situation through, that it's got to be resolved by then. Um, and then the, the the late signing period is April 15th. Um, and if LSU doesn't have a plan by the end of the Final Four weekend, because our, so all the college coaches, for the most part, are going up to Minneapolis. Uh, they go and meet and talk, and that's how, like, Deals get done, jobs get, you know, high, you know made and hires made and all that stuff. And so if if you're LSU, can, can, you, can you fire Will Wade right now for cause? I, I don't think so. And so that leaves them sitting there with like, OK, we've got a coach that we would owe $10 million to or something around that line to fire. And but we, you know, we haven't had discussions about what's going on with him. So how does how does the FBI thing end? How does that end? Do they make a move knowing that? Um, Do they have somebody lined up that could be a good hire? Um, That's another thing. You know, is there a guy out there that that they feel like they can get and uh, it'd be a good situation? Because if LSU and Will Wade part ways, I don't see LSU getting hammered by any sort of sanctions like period unless. It just totally blows up, and something you know, something monumental breaks because you've you've cut out the issue in the situation, which would be Will Wade, um, theoretically in the NCAA's eyes. So I don't see any backlash to a new hire facing sanctions or things like that. So it should be a decent situation to walk into as far as players and momentum and things like that. But again, they just got. They, we can talk about this all day, but they've got to get this figured out. Um, you know, for for just recruiting for the future of the program and all of that stuff. So um, it's going to be interesting, Chad. I mean, like I said, we can talk about this all day, um, but but I'm I'm just ready to kind of see how it plays out and get some answers soon. We can talk about football if you want. I think that's a really good. Good point, Shay. We can talk about football. There's spring football. There's official visit news to come. And we'll get to that right after this quick break from the Go 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or
1: comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603
0: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Uh, I'm Billy Embody, Shay Dixon. With me, time to preview lsu spring football game saturday at 1 p.m inside tiger stadium of course it's going to be broadcast on the sec network shay uh kind of a quiet saturday expected if the weather can hang together whether what, what are your initial thoughts going into saturday
1: yeah quiet on the field i would think uh, maybe not so much on the recruiting trail we'll get to that in a minute but um one of our biggest burning questions, anybody, right? And and we wrote about this on the site um, on Wednesday when we talked about some burning questions and said that it wouldn't be an off season, would it, at LSU, if you're not talking about the offense. And we've talked about the quarterbacks. Usually it's for a different reason. Uh, we'll touch on them in a second. But people want to know, OK, Ed Orgeron said on record, hey, look, this is the offense I finally wanted to see. And we know they're bringing in. Um, The Saints influence from Joe Brady, the the lone new hire on the staff. Uh, He's the pass game coordinator. We've seen him and Insminger kind of mesh well together as Insminger, the play caller. Uh, Brady, the guy that's helping with a lot of the installs. You know, when we've been to practice, we only get to see 20, 25 minutes of an individual period. Um, But at the end of that, they usually come together and, and we're seeing them do a lot of shotgun, a lot of four wide, a lot of five wide, flexing out tight ends like um, Stefan Sullivan or Thaddeus Moss or uh, Jamal Pettigrew, kind of whoever you have in there uh, at the time, they've been uh, moving those kind of big-bodied pass catchers out uh, from the line and, and letting them get into space. And I think that uh, one thing that'll be really interesting to see is that if they're really moving into this RPO, up-tempo, and it isn't cutting edge, it's just what, you know, if you're a good, talented team right now, it's what a lot of them are doing and what LSU fans have been wanting to see. So I do feel like we've come a long way from the Les Miles era, right? I think that the offense towards the end of last year looked like what insmere wanted it to. And then after that, you know, kind of going into this offseason, bringing in Brady, you feel like it's going to take a, an even further boost, but it was Orgeron who came out and said, look, this game's going to be on TV. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be in the stands watching, but Uh, because other people will be watching there's no need for us to show anything and he said his exact quote we're not going to show everything it's going to be a very basic spring game he said we'll show some things we've been doing but we're not opening up the playbook and uh, that's to be expected but I still think that people will like what they see on Saturday because they've got an offense who you know is willing to spread the ball out move the ball downfield and and really make the defense work for it and Ortron said it himself in Saturday's scrimmage he said the offense whipped the defense up and down the field said it was never close. And the defense had a bounce back day on Tuesday. But I at least I'm I'm always buying in, right? Every offseason. Why not? You can't prove me wrong. They don't play a game for five months. But uh, I'm buying into the idea that they are putting their best foot forward with what is a respectable offense for, you know, Insminger and company.
0: And and that's a great point. And and Ed Ogron, like you said, touched on that in his in his uh, press conference with reporters on on uh, Tuesday night, uh, that's the last time we're going to hear from him before the spring game uh, kicks off. Um, some other things that we're kind of t- expecting is, is a few players to be held out, right? Uh, Jacob Phillips, uh, Rashard Lawrence, who's been out for the spring, on Hines, who's been out for the spring. Um, there are uh, certainly um, uh, some others that will be held out uh, and, and what are you expecting from guys to kind of step up? I mean, I'll
1: probably jump to the D line first, right? And we'll see if Braden goes all the way. Remember he had that bicep surgery uh, at the latter end of the year, but he's back out there practicing. You mentioned Richard Lawrence won't practice. uh will not scrimmage. We'll see how much they go with Bahoco, uh, Neil Farrell and Nelson Jenkins have been a bit banged up, um, but we just keep hearing, positive praise about the guys who are stepping into their place and I think Glenn Logan you bring him back he's a guy you already know a good bit about you know what he can do on the field you hope he takes you know continues to take those next steps Um, but I think Farrell and Jenkins are two guys I'm really interested to see because I do think they're the next guys up and then you toss in Ortron talked about both these guys over the past few weeks a couple of outside linebackers who in high school and to now have played outside linebacker, but also putting their hand in the dirt at times, and he said Travez Moore's been very good coming off the edge. He said Jarrell Cherry's been very good uh, coming off the edge. We'll see if these guys can... They're not going to be starters at DN, but we'll see if they're not kind of moving them around, because they're not starters at outside linebacker either. That gives you the ability to be a little flexible with them, and and see if you can get a way to get them onto the field more uh, than maybe you would had they just stayed at one position uh, solely, but the D line, I guess. And and the names I mentioned, I, I want to see if they've got some depth and, and there's no Tyler Shelvin sort of been in and out of practices. I'm, I'm guessing he's going to play on Saturday, but I, I mean, I want to see what, uh, who does. And, and I know that we haven't been able to see him before beyond these practices. He's an early enrollee, but he needed to lose weight at Orgeron said he's already lost 30, 30 pounds. He's got some good burst on his high school film. If he's playing lighter than that, now uh, that's an added bonus. And I'm, hesitant to say this but i think that i'm moving towards that apu aika the freshman will be probably playing as much as tyler shelvin will be even though shelvin is obviously the veteran and and ed alexander is not with him anymore so i, I want to see the d line this weekend and i definitely want to see some of kind of these younger guys um step up get some more reps and and at least show what you can do i know it's not you know the lot li- you know you're not going live completely uh, but I do want to see if these guys can can get off some blocks and make some plays.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And and from having watched Apu Aika at the All-American Bowl, just, I mean, it seems like yesterday now, but um, the way he moves around has always impressed me. And the funny thing is, is I, that same, just after the All-American Bowl, the coaches convention hit um, San Antonio in it, and I talked with a few other coaching staffs that hosted Apu over the summer and they were like yeah we caught him when he was like 325 over the summer and so that just kind of shows you that he can be down in that range and that's what made him so highly touted I mean uh down especially you know down the stretch in his recruitment um and, and you know I think kind of the holidays caught up to him you know when he showed up in San Antonio but um yeah his weight has fluctuated but it's kind of fluctuated more towards the he's going to be in shape and he looks so much better than he did physically weight wise in San Antonio. Uh, he looks so much better now, uh, out on the practice field. He just doesn't look as, as uh, let's just say wide as, as he did down there. So I'm excited to see him. Uh, I think, uh, getting a chance to see Chris Curry, if, if he's able to go, I, I know he's kind of, he was held out of the, uh, scrimmage over the weekend. Um, you know, from from the tidbits we gathered from from different sources, but um, Chris Curry, I, w- I want to see how hard he runs. I mean, it's all kind of a race to uh, make as good of an impression as you can before these two highly touted running backs and Tyrion Davis and John Emery come in this summer.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm I've always been higher on most than Clyde Edwards Elair, um, and he's a really good athlete. I mean, people knock him for his size; he's probably pound for pound as in the 90, you know, 90th and above percentile on this team, a very good athlete. And I found it interesting that Orgeron sort of made a point this say, look, in our last scrimmage, I know we've got these freshmen coming in, but Edward Ziller, he said, made a bunch of big plays. And he said, most importantly, he said, Brady and Inzminger are using him a ton now, coming out of the backfield, catching passes. And, you know, it's kind of that Saints influence. And people on the board were talking about Kamara. But I think we're going to see Edward Ziller move into maybe a more not going to have to be an every down back, obviously, but a more of a role where he can get out and catch passes and do some things that it seemed at times last year, Billy, that they liked Leonard Fournette doing. And we might have Leonard back in the mix some, but I think that if they can get Clyde to get a grip on kind of the entire package of what they want out of their running back, then he's still going to play a ton, even knowing that you've got you know the best running back class in America coming in.
0: Yeah, and and you mentioned Leonard Fournette. I mean. God, I mean, the Texas A&M game was a prime example of them using him a little bit more um, in certain situations. And, and you know, he got the first carry of the, the Miami game, too. So uh, they they do seem to kind of be coming around on him. And and, and I don't necessarily think he'll have a Nick set type senior year or whatever, but um, he's certainly improving. And they are, are going to. And I think we saw this at times last year where, you know, for example, the Racy McMath, you know, uh, usage against Georgia and just kind of creating mismatches like that. That is what the Saints offense is all about. That is what Joe Brady brings is getting guys matched up one-on-one consistently, you would think, to exploit those mismatches and create big plays. And, And you mentioned Kamara, you mentioned, you know, all the, all the different guys that they can kind of plug in there. And, you know, we've seen it, uh, or at least heard about it from, uh, you know, different sources about, you know, flexing out Jamal, guys like Jamal Pettigrew, or using the tight ends in different ways. So, uh, I, I don't think we'll see anything uh, th- this weekend uh, to really excite people. But I think one thing, LSU fans, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, well, we've heard this, you know, so many times, same song and dance, like once again, all right, they're not going to show anything. Um, and then we're going to get let down again in the season. Recruits and different people that we talk with. It, this is. I don't want to sit here and slam my fist on the table, but this is different, right, Shay? Like I said, it's easy. I'm, of
1: course, it is, Billy. They don't play football for five months. We, when are we going to get proven wrong? So, or however many <laughs> months. Um, but yeah, I do. You can hear it from Bur and and Burrow and Brennan, and certainly Burrow is not like a bs'er. Like he doesn't. He doesn't go out there and just pump it up to the media ever. I mean, he goes and sits there and he plays with his fingernails the whole time and just kind of, you know, shoots the bull, uh, if you will. And he said it multiple times. He said, look, you guys are going to be pumped to see it and tell the fans because he said it actually. Insminger says, look, I will. This is what Joe Burrow said. He said, I asked him, how does Inzminger and Joe Brady get along? and He said, perfect, because he said, and Insminger is down for any idea you've got if it works. And if it works, we're using it. If it doesn't work, it's getting thrown out. And he said, that's kind of what the spring's been about. They've gotten a feel for what's working for them. And uh, Burroughs said, look, I feel comfortable with it. Brennan has said time and again, hey, look, I was at Stanislaus running an RPO offense. People forget Br- Brennan ran for more yards in high school than Tate Martell did. I mean, these guys are coming, Burrow and Brennan, from this type of offense where they were asked to run an RPO offense and where they used their legs at times and, we certainly saw that with Burrow last year, and I don't know if Brennan is ever going to be that type of runner, if they even want him to be for him. But I do think that this offense is going to have a new dynamic to it that is very much different than what everybody complained about during the Miles era, and it's probably more trending towards what we saw at the back half of last year when Insminger and these guys got settled. And you know, I'll wrap this up before we talk about some recruiting. It's been a while, Billy, That and we get excited and talk a lot about the handoff from Joe Burrow to Miles Brennan, and they don't have to go scrambling for a transfer. And we know Brennan, like it is my opinion, I think Brennan throws a better football than Joe Burrow. I don't know, I don't think he's a better quarterback than Joe Burrow right now, but Brennan is a really good arm, like an NFL style arm. Not that Burrow doesn't, I'm just saying that Brennan has all the tools you want. The issues were he needed to put on weight, he was, you know, young. I mean, you're throwing him to the fire as a freshman playing as a backup. Of course, you know, I think he threw a couple picks. I mean, there were some off moments. I think now, fast forward, that's going to be a nice handoff. But maybe bigger, especially for this year, more importantly, is that, A, the Tigers haven't had the same OC in back-to-back years since 2015-16 when Cam Cameron was here. And, B, even then, they weren't going from the same quarterback to the same quarterback. We were in this transition era from— I guess it was Brandon Harris to Danny Etling. Um, it all blends together when I'm getting back into that then. But <laughs> point being, they're bringing back the same offensive coordinator, the same coaching staff, every receiver from last year's team, the same quarterback, the same backup quarterback, a lot of the offensive line. And you got to feel that that gives you a little bit of comfort and maybe the ability through spring and through the offseason season. To do a lot more, to put, you know, to say, let's change things here because you know these guys have the rapport. You know, Insmere and Burrow get each other. And I think that it's a great thing that it seems that Brady and Insmere are working out well because that means there's no friction. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody says, look, this is the direction we're moving in. And it doesn't, se- I mean, for the first time in a while, it doesn't seem like there's any kickback or worry from, any pocket of the athletic facility, whether it's the coaches or the players or rumblings out of practice or anything.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, I think that's just the the best way to leave it. I mean, at this point, it, you know, we'll have to see how it, how it ends up this fall, of course, but it it has just it, it just it's a different vibe, and 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 having a new having the same offensive coordinator, having the same skill position players. I mean, you lose Nick Brosette, and you lose. Uh, Garrett Brumfield, but I mean, arguably you get better along the offensive line with with uh, you know Chase on Hines coming back in the fall and potentially Ed Ingram, and, and it just there's there's competition in the wide receiver room, good healthy competition, and and we've seen guys separate themselves, but um, you know Burrow being here for a whole offseason, it's just all these things are adding up, and 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 it'd be shocking to me to kind of see them fall flat on their face just the kind of way, the way um, uh way it's all kind of trended so far this spring and um people probably won't like what they see on saturday but you know they they've got they've got a big game and and people won't like what they see the first the season opener i mean I, I, they're not gonna you know throw the kitchen sink out there on you know their opening their opening game before they go off to texas they're gonna this is gonna be something that will uh be shown in a game situation in austin uh, in the second second game of the season. Oh, no doubt. No doubt at all.
1: Um, but I, I think eh, spring game will be fun. I'm holding out hope. I'm I'm going to see something I'm going to enjoy this weekend. So, uh, look, hey, com- hey, they've got – we'll see if they get any commits, but they've got official visitors. We talked about basketball. We are now into that football feel of basketball, right, where they have split signing days, and now you can take officials in the spring. Uh, and that starts now. So this week they can start hosting officials. Um, you can get all the names on the site, obviously we'll have uh, a full rundown of what's coming, the unofficial visitors, but, uh, we did kind of want to tease, talk about a few guys, um, and a few of their official visitors. Uh, and I know Billy, you've talked about, uh, a couple of these guys, but, uh, I'll throw two out to you and, and you can kind of, uh, get a reaction on them. Uh, one, they're bringing Drew Sanders back down and he's an Oklahoma commit At 24-7, we were having ranked as the number 16 player in the country, the number two athlete in the country, number three top three player in Texas, 6'5", 215 outside linebacker, and another guy. I'll throw it, and then you can just react to both. uh, Marcus Dumerville from down in uh, Florida, the offensive tackle, St. Thomas Aquinas. uh, He's had LSU sort of as a lead uh, team for him uh, throughout, and now that he's coming back on an official visit, I think a lot of eyes are going to be on him. But both these guys have already made visits. You saw Drew Sanders at practice and reported about it. It wasn't even a month ago. So kind of your immediate reaction upon hearing, hey, look, among the six, seven guys that they're going to bring in for the entire weekend, uh, that both Drew Sanders is coming back and that they're getting an, an OT in Doomerville on campus.
0: Yeah, so one, Drew Sanders, uh, and I'll go back to the opening in Dallas when he was one of the top testers out of the entire camp. I mean, he's he showed up and he and he could have played quarterback too i mean he plays quarterback for for his high school team um, and some people thought oh he's going to be like this the new bulldozer for Oklahoma uh you know from back in the day the belldozer. Um, the belldozer. No, i was trying to the go for yeah, the yeah, yeah 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 so he's 6'5" 215 i mean he he moves so well um and and really i mean he's just this huge athlete he played tight end uh, he played wide receiver at the opening and that was after doing the linebacker drills in the morning where he was one of the top performers. I mean, he, he just was, he was outstanding. I mean, he's, um, a guy that can come in right away and probably make an impact somewhere just because of how strong he is. He's a workout warrior. Uh, he's been committed to Oklahoma now. I mean, since almost, almost two years, um, or well, I say, uh, a year and about five months now he committed back in November of 2017. And so, um, it's been a long time coming for him, but yeah, he's, He's right up there for for uh, 24-7 and, and a guy that just looks the part, and he has every school in the country uh, coming after him. But for him to make two visits to LSU in you know, a matter of a month, I mean, that says that says a lot. And um, as far as Joomerville, LSU, it's no secret. Needs offensive tackles, and um, this is a good one. This is uh, obviously one that's that's right in the top 200 for 24-7. He's on the composites in the top 150. Um, Oklahoma actually has an early crystal ball so two guys kind of connected to Oklahoma uh there John Garcia put in uh his crystal ball pick for the Sooners um and he's actually set to visit Oklahoma the weekend after LSU so they've got a chance to maybe cut some of that OU momentum before he heads off to Norman next weekend um and again he's he's a good he's a good tester I mean he runs under a, f- a 5-0-40, uh 5040 had a decent shuttle um, at the opening last year um So this is somebody that uh, they've been on a while and and just another, you know, Florida offensive lineman that they seem to be in on. Um, And I'll give you one more Florida name and and we'll post the full visitor list on Go247.com. So pick up a uh, subscription, you know, to get the rest of the details on the official visitors. But one that was just in Baton Rouge for practice was Jonathan Odom, who's a tight end out of Tampa Jesuit um, high school that I know fairly well just being from Tampa and uh, has Consistently produce probably about one or two true D1 prospects a year. Odom is, is a guy that um, you know, I think LSU is really high on. Uh, John DeCoster has been on him for a while, and he visited LSU and was pretty high on it. Um, the Gators do have the crystal ball lead, and once again, he he's supposed to head off for an official visit um, to Gainesville the weekend after LSU. So again, it's an opportunity for LSU to you know, maybe stop any momentum that they have there. But again, he's He's come back for another full visit to LSU, and um, he's a Gator legacy, so he'll be a tough pole, I think, but um, we'll see what LSU can do, and uh, they do need a a legit tight end out of high school in this recruiting class, and and he could be it. Yeah, you mentioned John DeCoster. I'll give kudos
1: to him. The dude has been lights out. Um, I know they signed Ray Parker and TK McClendon last year as tight ends, and Charles Turner kind of became a combo guy for him at the end, but this cycle, they have had so many of the elite tight ends onto campus already. They're in the mix. They're in the top group. They're going to have a couple of more on campus. Uh, You can find those names on the site that uh, could wind up being some already offered. Others could grab some offers. But I do think that they're going to land an elite tight end in this class because of John DeCoster, uh, one of their assistant coaches. Uh, But I'll make two quick things. One, on Doomerville, I really do like his athleticism. I think he's a guy that you want those 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and over, and then in that 300-pound range or even less offensive tackles right now, he fits that bill. OU always recruits at a nice off, you know, offensive lineman level, I feel like, uh, and they've been after him hard, as you mentioned. But I am really interested to see Drew Sanders in person just to see because you guys see him at the opening. I didn't um, just see how big he is because this was a kid who Gabe Brooks, who obviously everybody on our board knows as well. He covers Louisiana and Texas. Uh, Back whenever Drew Sanders wrapped up his season, he wrote his eval on him and said he's a Kyle Rudolph type and then went on to say that he's a prototypical edge rusher, tight end receiver if he has to be, plays quarterback as you mentioned, then played three different positions on defense. So I think if you're – you might be an edge rusher for LSU, right, like an outside linebacker or you know, whatever you're kind of envisioning a 6'5", 215 kid being. But this might be one of the freakier kids in the class right here. So to get him back to campus again is a really big deal, even more so when, as you noted, he's been committed to OU for going on well over a year and a half
0: now. Right, exactly. And it's just shaping up to be a big visitor weekend. I think LSU is looking at at least a couple guys that could pop for them this weekend, Um, and and we'll drop those names and drop some uh, notes on who else is coming to campus this weekend. But uh, it's... It's it is shaping up to be a huge recruiting weekend for LSU, and and the thing about it is is they've got these official visitors coming in. They're not hosting official visitors next weekend because the LSU's on spring break. It's kind of a unique thing, uh, being you know the school with Mardi Gras being just a, a state holiday. Uh, your spring break so late, and so you, that you basically lose that weekend because the, the students are gone, the players are done with spring football, um, and then it's the coaches are back on the road recruiting the next week. And then they'll kind of get back on that official visit train. So it's a big weekend. We'll have tons of coverage on Go twenty four seven. Shay, stay dry out there. Hope the weather hang, hangs on for you. I'll be uh, at, at a wedding in in Tampa. Yeah,
1: I'll be holding it down for Go twenty four seven. If you're on the site, I will be running your spring game knowledge for you. But I did check the weather this morning. It's supposed to pound on Thursday, pound on Friday uh, with rain, and then it looked like it could hold off a little Saturday, and then pick back up Sunday. Uh, That would obviously be best case scenario considered they're trying to play in Tiger Stadium. Um, But we'll see. Hopefully they can get some clear skies and no lightning for a bit
0: just so we can fit that kind of one to
1: three in and and get it done. Well,
0: sounds good. Enjoy the game. And and I'll be I'll be watching that rerun on on Sunday and really, uh, you know, I'll try to catch some of it. But, um, you know, weddings, man, they get they get in the way. It's that time of year. It's wedding season and while Bill at your age everybody's getting married right now so you're about to be in wedding season for the next like 5 or 6 years. <laughs> I'll do enjoy it, man and enjoy the spring game and and thanks for coming on the pod as always and um guys keep it locked on go247.com pick up a subscription use that 7-day trial sign up see if you like it you probably will I'll be honest and uh stick around with us through the summer and and all this you know coaching drama with with LSU basketball and then Spring visits, and we'll we'll keep you up to date and uh, all of that. So leave us a review on the pod and and uh, a rating, and and hope you guys uh, tune back in next time uh, we're on the pod. Shay, thanks for the time, bud.
1: Absolutely, I I enjoyed it as always.